With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter. Badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. Hey guys, welcome back to Talking Sass. I, of course, am Sassy Steffi, and I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I want to thank you guys for joining me last week on my conversation with Nevaeh. It was amazing. She was such an easy person to talk to. Of course, we've been friends for a long time, but you guys really seem to enjoy it as well because you guys gave me so much feedback. And I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because it really means a lot to me. I put a lot of time and effort into talking sass and for you guys to give me feedback, it will help me learn, help me grow and help me expand this to be the best podcast possible. So once again, thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart. And before we get started tonight with our guests, I just want to tell you guys a little story about how Talking Sass got started. So my husband and I were talking about, you know, doing this podcast and we were throwing around names. Unfortunately, we couldn't come up with anything that wasn't already taken. So I reached out to you guys on Instagram and Twitter and I said, hey, what do you got? And you guys responded huge. I mean, the response was overwhelming, but of course... All the good ones were already taken, the names that you gave me. And of course, that's how life is, right? All the good ones are already taken. What are you going to do? But one of my friends right here in Montreal reached out to me and he was like, hey, what about talking sass? And I was like, wow, it's so simple, so easy to remember. And it's, it's perfect for me. So I was like, why should we taken? Well, it wasn't. So here we are. Talking sass. So I just want to give a little shout out to Shane Hawk, who is a producer here for IWS in Montreal, and say thank you very much for giving us this name, because who knows what the name would be without you giving us that name. And I really hope to have him on sometime on the podcast, because he is a very creative person, very interesting, and I think you guys would really enjoy a conversation with him. So Shane, let's get this marked down, okay? (laughs) Now on to tonight's guest. I am so excited because this is someone who is near and dear to my heart. 
This is someone I refer to as my wrestling mother, my wrestling mama, Allison Danger. Uh, we talk about our love for hockey, and we talk about how she got into the business. Did her brother Steve approve? Hmm, I guess we'll find out. We're also going to talk about injuries, and just a heads up, it gets a little bit emotional. So I hope you're ready, because I know I am. So let's get started. Here's Mama Danger. Hey, welcome back. This is Talking Sass, and today I am so absolutely delighted. I have my very own wrestling mama on Talking Sass, and I want you all to give her a round of applause for Miss Allison Danger. Hello, my baby. How are you? I am doing just fine. How are you doing? I know it's a rough time, though, for you, because we know the Vegas Golden Knights are no longer in the running for the Stanley Cup. Right. And like at the time we're recording this, I have been informed that I have to cheer for Tampa because I got a lot of Tampa peeps down in Florida. And of course, Dallas took the first game and I'm like, where did these guys come from? But I'm not going to lie, girl, I cried. I saw White Cloud go into the box and I was like, this is it. I told my husband, this is it. This is where it goes down. And it happens. And you just, they immediately put the camera on the white cloud. You could see him like wiping his face. I'm like, that poor baby is crying. He is 20 years old. He is stuck in a bubble in Edmonton. And now he thinks that he, he just totally blew the series when it was a team effort. I'm like, the mama in me wanted to just jump on the ice and just hold him and hug him and tell him it was going to be okay. But I do think I'm going to eventually get a white cloud jersey. Well, why not? That might be my next year. That one or that one or Shea Theodore. Why not? See, me personally, being in Montreal, I still kind of want to pack Toretti jersey because I still love him for when he was up here in Montreal. But he's doing yeah. great, you know. He, we did semi decent in the playoffs this year, but yeah. honestly, we're kind of like in a rebuilding stage, I think. And for us to get as far as we did, absolutely no one—not the players, not. The fans, I think, expected that. And so it was great to see us there, although unexpected. And But I still have love for him. Like, my, yeah. uh, actually, you know my husband, Chris. He met Pat Gioretti, I think, like, two weeks before he got traded. He was just, there's a, a big car event called the Grand Prix, and they do racing and everything in June. And my husband went, and Pat Gioretti was just walking down the street. I don't know if he's with his wife or his family or, or whatever the case was. Yeah, just hanging out and it was so knowing how nice he was to my husband because there's like thousands and thousands of people that come for that event and he got stopped in the middle of it you know just to take a picture with him so that makes him even more near to my heart oh oh i do love patcheretti he's just so pretty on the ice i'm sure he's pretty <laughs> off the ice too but he's so pretty on the ice and uh uh i did watch the video of them coming back into mccarran airport and like being reunited with their families. And I'm like seeing Flurry with his kids. I was like, oh, and then Patchy with his kids. And then Mark Stone with his hair, which I'm giving Mark Stone a run for the playoff hair money. I'm curious if he's gonna keep growing or if he's gonna cut it off. But like when Patch or Eddie came to Vegas and then Stone came to Vegas, I knew they didn't really care for each other, Montreal and Ottawa. But right. uh, seeing them work a line together, they're doing really good. They're a good team. I really enjoy having them on a on a line together so 
we're going to see now the big question is going to be mm-hmm. what's going to happen in our goaltending. Yeah, you know, I actually keep Leonard keep Flurry. Oh my God, girl! If they take Flurry out of the city, we may riot. I know, and I actually have a Flurry story, ironically enough. Mm. So mm. I worked at an airport for several years, similar to someone you know, and um, as I was, I was uh, what you would call the lead on that flight. And as I'm help my, helping my team load our uh, bags into the into the aircraft, I happen to look next to us, and there's this big jet there, and all these trucks start coming from a different location inside the airport, and they have they just start unloading bags into into the pavement there, and I was like, what is going on? So I happen to look over, and it was the Pittsburgh Penguins and all of their gear and all of their their stuff that they brought with them from Pittsburgh and I was like holy crap so I I was sitting on my little um I guess you would call a tractor and I just happened to look and there was Flurry's bag right there so I just took a picture because I was like that's so cool and so that's my Flurry story but it was even cooler because when I went into the airport I actually got to um God, now I can't even think of their names. I met like the whole team basically because they're all coming through customs and we're like waiting for them basically to come through. And it was pretty cool. But Flurry's bag was like right next to where I was uh, putting all of my luggage on the airplanes. And it was really kind of a cool, I mean, you think about it, you know, okay, it's just a bag, but it's like, hey, these are the NHL players bags that you're seeing. And it's really kind of badass. I mean, in a weird kind of way. I love hockey. You and Chris, when like everything finally calms down, you know, from our lips to Gaga's ears, uh, when everything finally comes down, you guys have got to bring yourselves to Vegas for a hockey game. I mean, I've been to a bunch of NHL games, but nothing like a live Las Vegas game. I mean, we we do it Vegas style, and I know it makes a lot of people mad, and nah, I don't care because this city is something special. Like, it's been a long time since I've set roots. And so the set roots in Vegas, it's been wonderful. And Vegas Golden Knights were instrumental when we had our shooting October 1st, 2017, which um, I believe this airs possibly around that or on the same day. And that's a, that's a hard day for our city. And I, I pulled my kid out of school and we went and we were volunteering at the blood drive that were going on in the city. Like we took coffee and snacks. And I remember the line from the blood donation place that I normally go to was around the corner, like out the door, around the corner, down the parking lot, almost to the street, like a full big parking lot away. People were pulling up in trucks going, who needs water? Who needs this? Who needs anything? People were taken in strangers. People got stranded in Vegas and were just like, hey, does anybody need, need a place to stay? The city was opening its doors. Airlines were flying in family members of victims. Hotels were putting them up for free. I mean, and the Golden Knights, they debuted right around that time. And they did a lot for the city because of the, during that. And then subsequently, like, they're very, very community service-based. And they did it in Edmonton, too. Did you know that? I did every not Monday know they that. Fed the, every Monday, they fed the homeless. That is fantastic. For the, for the weeks they were there. That, they're just good dudes. You know, we're jerks on ice, but, you know. We're, we're the violent gentlemen. Well, hey, I you know that they're my second favorite team behind the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, 
when I moved to Canada, I didn't have a clue about hockey, not a single clue. And then when my husband, Chris, got me into it, I was like, okay, I can get into this. And now I really enjoy it. And of course, we have the hatred for the same team, which is great, which is Boston. And then we both love Vegas. So it's great. So we can, you know, when our teams face each other, we have a little family rivalry between the two of us. But it's all in good fun. We just bet on yes. candy. <laughs> I know. I got to get you jelly beans to you. So it should finally start to cool down in Vegas in October. Enough for me to mail you some jelly beans because, yeah, I ate the first round that I bought you. <laughs> no we worries. We got locked into the pandemic and I just <laughs> ate my feelings. Oh, believe me. I did too. I, I think every day I was having like way too many carbs for my own body. I like skyrocketed in weight. So that's why I started doing keto, which we've talked about before. I've lost 13 pounds. So very happy about that. Yeah, it, it makes a huge difference. Like I didn't feel it going on, but I definitely feel it coming off. So that's good. so good, good, good. Yeah. And speaking of making sure that you're in shape, wrestling, always a yes. body issue. And Oof. I mean, both you and I have talked about this many times before. So now let's transition into talking about you coming in through wrestling and okay. all of all of the adventures that you've had over this time so i know because obviously you're my wrestling mom i've done tons of conversations with you i've done tons of research on you even before i knew you which i'm going to get to that as well <laughs> and i know in 2000 you kind of accidentally stumbled your way into professional wrestling as a valet for someone quite unique so for me growing up I wasn't a wrestling fan like I was but I wasn't so my older brother Steve huge wrestling fan I mean posters lining the wall you didn't even need to paint his walls because everything was wrestling every tv show he watched wrestling wrestling toys stuff like that so my parents would give him the wrestling toys but then I'd get Miss Elizabeth because I loved Elizabeth because it was nice to see a woman I was like she's gorgeous she's beautiful so growing up I never never really seriously considered it Steve knew from as long as I've known him that he was going to be a wrestler I remember being about Oh, what, 16, 17, when he broke in, maybe 18, he breaks in the wrestling, we go to his shows, we support him on an independent level, because we're proud, like, I'm impressed, this is my brother chasing his dream, eventually he gets signed to ECW, I start going to shows with him and hanging out backstage, because I met some really cool people, you know, I knew Don Marie from ECWA, I met Francine through ECW, I met a lot of great people, I met Gertner through ECW, Amber Gertner. Aww. Shout out to her then husband Joel. I love Gertner. Um, but yeah, I'd go to the shows. Oh, she's the best. Let go to the shows and I'd hang out backstage. So this one time uh, in about May 2000, Francine goes, I have to do the show up in Reading. You're on the way up from where I live. Any chance you want to go hang out with me? I don't want to drive alone. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to. She swings by, picks me up. We drive up to Reading, which at the time was about 40 minutes from where I was living. I was living right outside Philadelphia. And uh, I go up with her and she, um, she's like, okay, just come backstage with me. She's doing all her stuff. 
I know like uh, Jack Victory's there, uh, who else? Um, Lou Dangerously's there, a couple other people. And Sandman's there and he's like, yeah, it's Carino's sister. My wife couldn't come, you gotta be my valet tonight. You know what you're doing, it's in the jeans. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a wrestler, sir. I'm literally just here with Francine, but like, thank you. No, no, kid, you gotta do it. I need this one. Peaches didn't come tonight and I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Like, he won't take no for an answer. And I'm like, to me, me doing that would have been like stepping on the toes of my brother. He's putting in all this work and then I'm just gonna go do this. It didn't feel right. And like Lou Dangerously is telling me, he's like, no, no, like, unless you're gonna do this seriously, don't do this, don't do this. And he's like, screw it, come on. We'll tie your shirt and not make it look all cute and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, Freddie, you're a bad influence. So I tried calling my brother, can't get a hold of him. I called Mike Keener, who's my other big brother in wrestling, ECW ref. People don't realize what a brilliant mind Mike Keener is, but he's just, he's a smart, smart dude, right? I call Keener, I call my mom. Guys, what do I do? I don't know. Should I do this? Should I do this? Finally, everybody goes, it's going to be fine this one time. Steve knows how Sandman is. He knows that he's going to keep pushing until he gets his way, right? <laughs> so finally, I'm like, okay. So then Sandman's like, all right, girl, you're going to hold the cane and you're going to bring it out. We're going to pose and everything's going to be cool. And just like one time, I'm going to feed you these kids. You just got to hit them for me. Okay. So then he's like, repeat it back to me. So I repeat it back to him. He goes, all right, you know your spot. So then we're going and him and this tag team are calling this thing. I remember... I, I forget the name of the tag team, but I remember them. We did a lot of shows with them after that. They were such nice guys. And so eventually, like, my part kept growing and kept growing. So now I'm in, like, three quarters of the match. And I'm hitting people and ball-shotting people. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So I'm super nervous. I'm, like, not dressed for this. I have, like, nice shirt and, like, dress pants on because I guess I just come from work. And so we go out there, the music hits, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to walk the way I know Franny and Dawn walk. So I walk, like, kind of swivel the hips a little bit, like, chest out, confident, nobody knows what's going on. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. It kind of feels good. I got a kendo stick. Oh, yeah, I'm a badass. All right. So we're going. We get in. We do the spots. And apparently, I hit all my spots. And then we celebrate and then hack against drinks of beer, whatever. We go to the back and I'm like, oh, that was so cool. That was so cool, right? And I'm like, well, I, you know, it was fun. It was a one-time thing. So the next, uh, Francine brings me back, drops me off. And at the time, my brother lived on the third floor of an apartment. I lived on the first floor of an apartment. These were, yeah, my apartment was crappy. His was much nicer than mine. I, uh, but, um, he comes back from wherever he did a show. He goes, so you did a show, huh? I'm like, I tried to tell you that like everyone said that I should just do it this once. And he's like, okay. He goes, what do you think? And I'm like, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you going to do more? And I'm like, that depends on you. If you are okay with me doing this, I'd like to pursue it. But if you say, uh-uh, this is my thing, I'm going to say it was a one-time thing, and I'm going to walk away out of respect for my brother, right? And he looks at me, he goes, you have to join the school this week. I expect you to be at class. I expect you to do ring crew. Don't think you're going to have it easy. And I'm like, 
Yes, sir. That week, boom, I started. Because I remember the promoter that owned the school that I started at actually contacted my brother at some point and was like, yo, we heard your sister did some cool stuff. Like, do you think she'd want to join our company? It was IWA Reading. A guy named Jimmy. Jimmy Devo? I don't know. I just know he owes me 50 bucks. <laughs> and isn't that the story with wrestling? There's three promoters that owe me money. That's number one, right? So uh, I uh, ended up going to the school and I joined in and him, uh, Rapid Fire Maldonado, my brother and Mike Keener were my trainers. And I'm going to tell you, they didn't take it easy on me. And so I would go to the IWA Reading shows. And even if I wasn't on, ring crew, all that stuff. And yeah, that's how I got started. It was one of those, I wasn't allowed to be a weekend warrior. I, if I was going to do it, I had to give it 100%. And I was like, absolutely. And 20 years later, here I am, still doing wrestling stuff. Well, that's the thing. I feel like once you get involved in wrestling, it's kind of like infused into your blood or your body somehow. And there's very, very few ways to actually like just walk away from it completely. It's impossible. It's impossible. I, when I retired in 2013, I was like, this can't be it. I'm not done. Not done. Like, I want this to be my life, my lifetime. I want to retire from wrestling when I'm like in my 50s or my 60s. And I've done good work and I've helped the next generation and the generation after that. Like, I want to help my peers' kids grow as wrestlers and their kids grow as wrestlers. Like, I want to be that tattooed old grandma still in the ring, running around, getting things done. So, yeah, that's what this year was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, 2020 had a way of uh, throwing some uh, knuckleballs into everyone's plans, not just wrestling. Oh, yeah, just everything. But, you know, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I, uh, I am training with some students right now. I have... Uh, Lacey Ryan, who's going to be huge. She was episode two of the uh, Women's History with Alice in Danger. She's going to be a damn star. What she can do physically blows my mind. She's just a brick house. She's all muscle and super strong. Very, very athletic. Um, so I got her. How did they get a, like, a super athletic kid? I don't know, but they did. And then... Um, her training partner is a guy um, named Matt. Matt's great. He's got a lot of potential. And then we just threw a third, uh, third one in the mix this week, Jay Vital. He's a hoot. He got trained down in Florida by Gangrel. And I'm like, oh, loving the pieces already. And I've only trained him like a little bit. But yeah, doing that. Um, this year, the plan was to start bringing back seminars, Alice in Danger seminars. I carry one in my Google Drive at all times because I never know when I'm going to be near a ring and the opportunity to work with people is going to happen. Oh, that's brilliant. So I have a four-hour seminar. Yeah, I had some booked like around the country, but everything's gotten delayed. So I'm supposed to be in Texas, do stuff in North Carolina, you know, do stuff in California. It didn't work out, but I'm still building and I'm keeping fresh and I'm working on, I'm just working on my ring stuff too. I was going to try and, uh, take my first bump in seven years recently, but then I had some kind of autoimmune flare up. So well, I was like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to bump yet. That makes sense. I mean, for those who don't know, in 2013, you did, you were forced to retire. And I don't feel like that's my story to tell. So if you want to 
give the details as much as you want to give of that? So in the course of my years, I've had some concussions, a couple kicks to the face, maybe a few bumps that didn't go quite right. Um, so I've had a few concussions and this is one thing like I try to stress now with, with, with younger wrestlers is my problem was I'd get a concussion. I'd get nauseous, I'd get the headache, I'd get a concussion on Saturday. I'd kind of rest a few days and as soon as that nausea and that headache went away, I was like, cool, I'll go back to training. I never ever took proper time off from an injury with the exception of splitting my collarbone and sternum. When I broke those, it's the only time I really took time off. You know, I take a weekend off here or there. I bruised a kidney once in like 2002, 2003, something like that. Um, so, you know, I'd take a weekend off here and there if I absolutely had to, but otherwise I would not miss a beat when it comes to the ring. And so, you know, I'd have this concussion going on and then I'd be bumping. It's always like a little bit of whiplash, you know, going into the turnbuckle. It's always that little bit of whiplash. You just kind of get used to it, right? So in January of 2013, I'm working part-time at a gym during the week. So I'm home with my daughter, um, teaching group fitness classes, and I'm a personal trainer. And this way, with my, with my baby girl, who was about four at the time, I could take her to the gym with me. She goes, hangs out with other kids in the daycare. I teach my clients, teach my classes, and it's great. So I'm teaching an aqua aerobics class. And I woke up just not feeling right. Something didn't feel right about my day. And I'm like, well, I got a 9 a.m. class, a 12 p.m. class, and then I have a light day. I get through those two, I'll be okay. So I'm at the gym. I just trying to teach my aqua aerobics kids. And then all of a sudden, I just don't feel good. I feel, um, you know that feeling when you're sinking in water and you're going down and you kind of get that feeling of the water in your ears and everything around you a little blurry and it doesn't sound right? That's the feeling I started to get. And I noticed that as I'm looking into the water, peripheral vision is going. And it just, it's like a tunnel coming in. And my head hurts and I don't feel right. My stomach's off. Uh, I'm freezing cold. I don't know why, but I'm freezing cold. I'm putting on a sweatshirt and it's, it's steamy where I am. I'm right by a sauna and teaching at a pool. And I'm looking at the people taking the class and I'm going, telling them what to do. And they're looking at me super confused. And I guess like they started to notice a little bit of droop to my face, but I was slurring my words, but in my head, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, squat. I'm like trying to show them a squat, but I can't show them a squat. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, okay, I don't feel right. So I was just like, got them to the point where they understood that I wanted them to squat. And I kind of carefully walk backwards and there's an emergency phone. I call the front desk. I go, this is Kathy at the pool. Something's not right. Can you just send somebody back here? And, uh, maybe take over my class, right? So that quick, I got a trainer named Susie in there. I got Ray, the assistant manager in there. And Ray starts talking to my class and Susie takes me into another room. She's like, I need you to lay down. I need you to try and talk to me. And I just remember, and she's like, somebody brings me some juice. And I'm like, what is going on? She knew, she, she was a real smart trainer. She knew 
something wasn't right. And they're like, we want to call you an ambulance. I'm like, I got the insurance for that. No, my, I had insurance, but it was really crappy. And so most of what we had our insurance for was based around the kid, making sure the kid was always healthy and okay. I was like, you know, at this point, 13 years of duct taping my wounds with wrestling and no insurance, you know, you get pretty good at it. I always feel like we all kind of have like little doctorates in self-care <laughs> or just with duct tape. So, uh, yeah, we end up, these two nice women named Nicole and Lori were like, let us at least take you home. I'm like, I can't drive. And oh, and that particular day, my husband was off work. So my daughter wasn't with me, which is good. My daughter was home. They were hanging out doing something. So it was the one Tuesday that um, she wasn't with me. So Lori drives my car. I only lived like five minutes away from the gym. I get there and um, I talked to you that day. Oh, I don't remember this. Yeah, what did, what did we have a discussion about that day? You called me because something happened in your life. Oh, oh yes. Okay. I totally remember now, but that's okay. Yeah. Anyway. And I sounded weird on the phone, right? Yeah. Now that you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you called me about something and I'm like trying to talk to you and they're all trying to convince me to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, 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 I'll be fine. It's the flu. It's the flu. And so, uh, my husband's like, I don't think it was the flu. So we call my regular doctor and they're like, well, you know, it's, you sound okay now. So we'll see you in a month. And I'm like, I don't think I want to wait a month. So I called another doctor and she's like, no, we'll get you in quick. And so we get in, I tell her everything. And she's like, you've had a stroke and we need to go ahead and get you to a neurologist. So I ended up going through a neurologist, all that. And that's where they found the damage on my brain. So I have something called lesions or hot spots. And they're these little areas of brain damage from concussions. And something about that day just triggered a small stroke. And so I'm actually quite at risk for another one. They said, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when. And so every six months I get my brain scanned, but after all the testing came back and we had to test for a few weeks, they finally told me that you can't go wrestle anymore. You can't keep risking concussions. And I said, okay, they're like, we're, we're not gonna sign off on you wrestling ever again. I said, okay. And so I got in my car, which had my gear bag in it, and I drove to the airport, and I went to a show. And I did a show. And I told no one in the back. It was the Shimmer Show in New Jersey, where me, Serena Deeb, and Leva Bates faced the Midwest Militia. And only Leva and Deeb knew. That really That's why I didn't get in the ring much with you guys. Yeah, I remember there was a spot we did in, in, in that match. This makes me actually really emotional thinking of that whole time span because now I, I know what you're talking about that day. And obviously to me, it didn't ring a bell because of what had happened in my life. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to make you cry. I like no. wish I could hug you. Yes. No, it's okay. Yes. Um, it's just emotional because... I never really put those two moments in my life together and that that was your last match. I, I just didn't 
process in my head that way. And I didn't expect my second, <laughs> my second talking sass to go this emotional for me. I'm so sorry. I'm oh so sorry. no, yeah. please. No. I mean, it's real. This is, this yeah. is what should be talked about in the wrestling business because I mean, you have inspired me my entire wrestling career. I mean, we've had this conversation quite a few times and hopefully we'll get to touch on that a bit here too. And then um, for those who don't know what she's talking about and the reason why I didn't remember that phone call to begin with is that's when my mom passed away and my mom and Danger were very, very close because my mom knew how much I loved you. And she would send you care packages all the time in the mail, different random things. She would just find something like, this reminds me of Danger. I'm going to send it to her. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And, you know, my mom was one of my biggest fans. So she came out to a majority of my shows. So you got to meet her quite a few times that we got to work together or work on the same shows. So. No, I never actually met her in person. You didn't? I thought you did. No, no. I didn't oh, do a man. whole lot in Ohio. No, your mom and I would talk on the phone though. I, I know that bit. Every time we were together, I'd be like, have you called your mom, told her you're okay? No, put your mom on the phone. <laughs> Give me the phone. And yeah. I would get on the phone with Patty, yeah. I remember the phone calls with you and her definitely because she yeah. made sure and you made sure that there was communication at all time. <sighs> but yeah. yeah, so, but like I said, this is the part of wrestling that needs to be talked about because a lot of people like you said, they just put a bandaid over it. And me, I had knee problems over my entire wrestling career that stemmed from when I was a cheerleader in high school. And whenever my knee would lock up or something would happen, I just throw another brace on it. And like, oh, well, whatever, I'm going to wrestle the show. So I mean, this is something that happens so commonly. And we never really think about it. But nowadays, of course, you are, you know, telling everybody, make sure you watch the bumps that you take, the things that you're doing in the ring, make sure these things are safe and that you're not putting yourself in danger for later down the road. Cause obviously you have your firsthand, um, you know, experiences with that. And, you know, now you have more, cause back then 2013, it was around, but maybe not as much in wrestling, it, you know, the concussion thing, I was like, Oh, it's okay. Just go live your life after you feel better, you know? And now with everything that's trans, um, that has happened in sports and everything. Now, a lot of that's changed, especially since 2013. And I think that the way that you inspire people now is to make sure that they're safe. And then you're doing, like you said, you were you're going to do seminars and stuff like that. You still are this huge presence within professional wrestling, even though you're not in the ring at the time. You know what yeah, I mean? It, it was hard because I did that match and I only told, I think that's when I told Prazak. And I said, I'm in a six person tag, you guys can hide me. I let Leva know and I let Deeb know. I freaked Deeb out too. I don't know if she remembers this, but at one point you guys are in the ring with Leva and somebody burnt popcorn in a building. And I just go, hey Deeb, is that burnt popcorn or is this another stroke? And she's like, don't joke about that. And I'm like, stroke of genius. I, Cause when I yell stroke of genius, you yeah. should see the horrified looks on Leva and Serena's faces there and that, but it, it's me. It was my coping mechanism was that. And then, right. and then I did Montreal. I did a femme fatale show in Montreal where I didn't tell anybody. And then I went and had a match with Courtney Rush. And I feel like because deep in my head, I was like, I can't keep going. I'm not allowed to keep going. What if this bump is the bump that breaks everything? So I, 
didn't give Courtney Rush the match she deserved and the match I would have loved to have given her. In fact, I was a little awkward when she gave me the finish and I kind of popped my shoulder out a little bit. And I just went in the back and I just laid on the ground, like on my knees and just cried for a moment, like just away from everybody. And her and Stefano are like, what's going on? What's going on? And then I go, this is what's up and I have to retire. And then like, so I don't know if you were at that show, the one that it was like my birthday weekend. It was like my birthday of uh, 2013. So March 31st, right? It was a show either the day of or the day after. So I tell them and like the three of us are crying, like tucked somewhere in the locker room about it. And I'm like, I have to end it at Shimmer. And yeah. so I told Dave, Dave, I, I can't do it. I can't, they're not gonna let me, I go, I got a four-year-old. I can't leave her behind. You know, I can't risk being a burden on my family and so on. So that's when we made the decision to retire. He goes, who do you want? I go, Hamada. I need Hamada because I loved her. I, I still do. I love Hamada. So, and that's why I worked three out of the four matches. The one match I worked, I dressed as a Ninja Turtle with Leva. Mm -hmm. And the only time that I bumped was when Shazza McKenzie got the pin on me because I was a turtle and I couldn't get back off my shelf. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so if you notice that weekend, I don't do a ton in the rings because we're just not sure. And we're not, we still didn't tell anybody until I guess it was that morning and they flew my mom in to surprise me on that Saturday. I, that's I, I, finally go. Yeah, I remember finally that. told all the girls what was going on. I said, please don't tell the internet. Like, don't put it out there. We're going to, we're going to say it on a later show of, why I'm retiring, um, so on and so forth. And that was it. And then for about six, seven months, I didn't talk to anybody in wrestling. Uh, I barely returned texts, didn't return calls because I was so depressed. I was so depressed. And 2013 was like a 2020 kind of year, but just for me, because in 2013, stroke in January, forced to retire, ended up retiring around the 13th of April. Got to October, beginning of October, husband gets carjacked at gunpoint outside our home. Uh, and then I think two weeks later, I got diagnosed with skin cancer. So 2013 was, and I thought, I thought I was gonna hide from wrestling forever because it was so hard for me emotionally. I, I couldn't watch it. And like, when I finally started watching it again, it just hurt. It hurt so bad to watch everybody in the ring and knowing I could never do that again. So, and then here's things someone, no, no one's gonna tell you this about retiring. You think, okay, I'm gonna retire. I'm not gonna bump anymore. My body's gonna feel great. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. <laughs> All that wear and tear is residual and it will stay with you. There are days that I wake up, I'm like, I cannot get out of this bed. My hip is out. Or like, I can't, my friend's a massage therapist and she put her feet on the, on my back, right over my shoulder blades and she's pulling me back and she goes, you should be rounding over my feet. I go, I am. And she goes, you're not. And I go, yeah, I am. And she's like, you're supposed to be able to go bend. I have no bend and both shoulder blades are frozen in place. Oh yeah. And yeah. I think I ended up, uh, like about four years ago, I fell down a flight of stairs and ended up, I think I fractured my shoulder blade, duct tape. Literally rock taped it together and just went on with my life. And now when I get like chest x-rays, they're like, 
what'd you do? I'm like, tell me what I did. No one will actually tell me like <laughs> how bad, but to this day, I still have problems with the shoulder blade now. Yeah. But did you take a proper bump when you broke it or when you fractured it? No, I landed oh. on my kid. I fell down the stairs and like I hit like the shoulder, the hip, and then I landed on the kid at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, I was about to say she was fine. Yeah, that's she was good. fine, but I was like, oh, I was in so much pain. So now, like, I can't, like, if you see me, sometimes it looks like I'm slouching because I can't fully straighten my back anymore. Oh, my goodness. That is just yeah. crazy. I, like I said, the knee problems, I still have, like, aches and pains. Luckily, they're not as bad as, as back, you know, when I was wrestling and stuff. I don't have to put a brace on to go run around or do anything like that like I did with wrestling. But you're right. It does stick with you for probably our whole lives, who knows, hopefully it'll go away some, but not likely. I mean, you, they say doing a professional wrestling match and taking one bump is like being in the equivalent of five head on collisions. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So That's your rough. body is just completely jacked out of proportion and not like I can pop a hip out of place. No problem. Like just swivel my hip and you can like watch it pop. And you know, that's, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I'm sure one day I'm going <laughs> to arthritis in there and it's going to feel yeah. great. But uh, so far, knock on wood, that hasn't happened yet. But definitely injuries in wrestling and not even injuries, just like you said, the wear and tear of what you're doing to your body is definitely going to take, you know, effect on you in your later years. It's not just going to go away. Right. It's tough. Oh, so, man. But yeah. Well, sorry, we went deep there for a <laughs> We did. But you know what? I expect that with you because we, you and I, with the friendship that we have, we never just stick to like one subject. We're here, there, we're getting deep in this, and then we switch it and with a curveball this way into something else. So I'm honestly <laughs> not even surprised. That's us. I feel like we could have a podcast series because, you know, this one's going to run long again. <laughs> 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 that's okay there's some hockey on tonight for us at least i know but i do have to feed the family at one point I don't yes know. yes i think they're just used to this at this point they're like mommy's recording with somebody <laughs> but now it's the other way around i kind of like it yeah i don't have to edit this no that's right you don't have to edit this but let's talk about your show because that's one of the good things of 2020 that you can talk about is how amazing this show's doing so far. I was lucky I got to be one of your guests and I absolutely loved it, but it's your show. So I'll let you do the honors of talking about it. So on YouTube, there's an Alice in Danger channel. It's Allison with two L's. And what I did was I started a show called Woman's Herstory with Alice in Danger. And what I'm doing is I'm talking to people about what inspired them. Who are the women that inspired them? You know, I see a little Sherry behind you. Sherry was a big influence on a lot of people. You know, what did Lita and Trish mean to you? What did Victoria mean to you? You know, let's go back to Mae Young. Let's talk about Mildred Burke and go into all these stories about women and like sharing personal stories with Molly Holly and stuff like that. So I really wanted to get into it. And then you were my episode four and we, we had some chatting and uh, my current episode right now is with Alyssa Marino, who is not a wrestler, but a commentator and ring announcer on the West Coast that went to NXT for a while. And now she's uh, back up in Philadelphia, but she's doing stuff around the country. And she's also the host of Let's Eat Cereal on YouTube. And that was our first, my first crossover. We actually 
segued from my show into her show. And so that was really fun. And we got to eat cereal together. And so go to the Alice in Danger YouTube channel, subscribe after you subscribe to Talking Sass and Sassy Steffi's channel. Come over to mine, check it out. I have some great guests. I got some great stuff lined up. I got a bonus episode coming out. It's a two-part series on the women of the West Coast of the United States. Um, and that one's actually with my first male guest, Josh Shibata, also a ring announcer based out of the West Coast and a, and a dear, dear friend of mine. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I kind of, I knew I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure. I was thinking a podcast called No One's Gonna Listen, and then in parentheses, to a female, which is something that's been told to me over the years when I've talked to people about training. They're like, well, you can't train with a woman. And I'm like, why, why, why can't you train with a woman? Well, no one's gonna listen to you. And I'm like, are, are you kidding me? And this one dude said to me, he's like, you know, I've got 11 years in the business. What can you teach me? And I'm like, how many tours of Japan you got, son? None. Have you been outside of the Nevada, Arizona? Like territory is like, no, I go, I got plenty to teach you. First thing is never tell a woman they have nothing to offer. So. Yeah, and also he should eat a nice little piece of humble pie there. I mean, honestly, like that's ridiculous. I would, yeah. you're much sweeter than me. I probably would have punched him in the face and been like, yeah, there's right. There's nothing I can teach you because you are not going to listen. Yeah, well, you're not going to go anywhere with that attitude. Of course you're, not. You're 11 year vet of your your city, your your town, whatever. Okay, cool. There's nothing I can teach you because you are not going to listen. But I hate when they say that in front of young students because I'm like, so you tell me you're going to go down to WWE and you're not going to listen to Sarah Del Rey. You're not going to listen to Stephanie McMahon when they're like, hey, this is what we need from you. Oh, yeah, that's cool, Stephanie. But, uh, you know, I really need to hear it from Shane because he's a dude. Are you really going to tell Stephanie McMahon you're not going to listen to her? That's what? What? Suicide. That's career suicide. Exactly. You know, you're going to go to AEW and Brandy Rhodes is going to come up to you and you're going to be like, oh, that's cool, Brandy, but what, what does Cody think? She's going to tell Cody what she thinks and then she's going to do her job. And if you're not going to listen to it, you don't need to be there. 100%. You know? Like, huh. It, it I, just blows my mind. And even in 2020, like, it surprises me that some males still think this way. Like, what in the world? How did you get to this point in your life where you still have a perspective like that. I just don't understand it. Where did your childhood or whatever go wrong that that is a perspective that you have in life? They surround themselves with subservient women and yes women. They're not gonna go anywhere in life because they're not gonna work for that female CEO. And it's like, that's crazy. Like that blows my mind. It just, I can't, I can't. That's, that's a 45 minute podcast right there. Oh, for what's sure. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, what's wrong with the male chauvinistic vision in general? I mean, that could be a whole yeah. series of podcasts, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's plenty. Take down the patriarchy when you start talking sass. But you know, it 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 happens. But then you've got guys that are just like really, really good. Like one of my students, Matt. Matt's wonderful. He has no problem. If I say, Matt, adjust this, do this, he's like, yes, ma'am, boom, does it. Okay, cool, if it works, great, and if it doesn't, that's great, but he gets in there and he tries, and, and he's a great example of, you know, male students and, and 
because not all of them are bad, but some oh, of them are being taught. And like when, when a guy that they think is a vet because they've been around in wrestling for a long time but haven't really done anything tells them, oh, no, no, you, you don't have to listen. I've had that before where I've worked for um, a company that's no longer in business and I was the female trainer and then there was two male trainers and the one male trainer on his nights would be like, don't listen to her. She's a, she, she's a woman don't listen to her. And he would literally tell the students that they don't have to listen to me and they don't have to respect for me simply because I was a female. And I'm like, I've accomplished more in my career in a shorter amount of time. And only one student did I have a problem with that, that bought into that attitude. But the rest of them are like, no, we're, we're going to be okay. We, we got this. We're good. We're good. So yeah. It just, I mean, women's wrestling, thank goodness, has come such a long way in a short period of time to begin with. And for males to still, like, I love when you go to a show, a women's match isn't necessarily an attraction anymore. It's part of the show, you know, and you have great promotions, like we've, we've talked and mentioned Shimmer many times, that are all women's promotions that are doing big things for women everywhere. I mean, you look at WWE's roster, AEW's roster, Impact's roster, at least a good, probably 50% of all those rosters have passed through the shimmer doors at one point or another. So why, yeah. why this opinion still that women don't matter? I mean, the women's revolution in WWE, the women that are there, the women that have come through shimmer's doors, I mean, they're some of the best segments. Yeah. You know, like, why wouldn't you listen to a woman when we have so much to offer as well? You know, it, it's it's going to continue to be an uphill battle, but we're, we're doing well. We're doing better. It's still not perfect, but it's getting better. Um, we just got to stick together and, and keep pushing and keep breaking down barriers and breaking down walls and, and keeping the lines of communication open with people and giving them an opportunity to learn and listen and you know and then if you run into that person that's just so stubborn you know just let it go you're not going to fix them you're not going to change them put it to the side and let's keep talking but if we back down if we give up the younger girls that want to follow us even though like the younger you are and i'm thinking that little sweetie out on instagram izzy girl does izzy oh Mania. yes I have not met her, but she looks like an absolute delight. And I'm like, ah, would love to get my hands on her. But like, I don't want girls like her giving up. Right. And thinking that they can't make it. I don't know. I don't think that kid's going to give up. She's, she's committed, but yeah. I think so too. What a wonderful young lady. And you know, maybe one day Izzy will be passing through the doors of Shimmer as well. I mean, she's been, I mean, how everybody's known about her for what, probably the last four or five years already because of how, intricate she was with the Bailey segments because she was always there dressed in the Bailey gear and with the headband, the ponytail. And then she just became her own special little star out there into the internet world. And it's just amazing oh. what she's doing. Kids she's marketing really herself better than I am. I yeah. know. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make her my marketing director of all things <laughs> Alice in Danger. So <sighs> well, well, speaking of Shimmer, we're going to be airing this right before The Collective, which is the next Shimmer show, which is one of the first wrestling shows that are going to be with fans after six months. 
Only 25% of fans, but fans, yeah. It's going to be great. we got some good debuts coming. Uh, we've got titles. All the titles are going to be there. we got the Sea Stars, the tag team, high on the interim shim Heart of Shimmer champion. we got current Shimmer champion, Kimberly, is going to be there. Former Shimmer, shim former Shimmer, former Shimmer champion. I found this up when she was on my show too, but uh, oh, the boy's going to be there. Uh, Marty Bell and Allison Kay are going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be backstage. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on. Priscilla Kelly's going to be there. Uh, Diana Prasso is going to be there, which is going to be cool. Yeah, she hasn't been there in a while. So it's, it's a smaller card for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see um, how much that changes. Smaller card. <laughs> no, no, Dave, Dave's locked it down. Oh, really? I was like, so these people want to get on the show. He's like, no, I'm like, I'm telling you, no. Like, I'm telling you that I'm already telling them no. I'm just telling you if they ask you. Ah, <laughs> okay. like, Danger already said no. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to have nine, maybe 10 matches and, and it's going to be good. I'm super excited. I will be in the back masked up, handing out Lysol to everybody because I'm still the Shimmer Locker Room mom. And I'm super excited. It's going to be on Fight TV. They, you can buy individual shows or you can buy the whole collective together, if I'm correct. Go to Fight, F-I-T-E, TV, or Fight.TV. Just go to the Shimmer Twitter and YouTube. They know what's up. This is Dave's stuff. This isn't my stuff. I run the back. But yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be good to see everybody. I'll miss seeing you, though. Yeah. It's in well, Indianapolis, which is near Ohio. And then I think Ohio, I think you. But you're not in Ohio. No, not anymore. There is a good group of good, good girls coming. That's a lot of G's. Uh, there was a great group of girls coming out of Ohio at one time. And well, still, even now, there's even, I think, more girls coming out of Ohio, not necessarily born and bred there, but uh, living in Ohio. So Ohio is definitely- Speaking of Ohio, Nevaeh is going to be there. Uh, yes, I talked to Nevaeh and actually she put over I'm that- This is- Hug her for me too because I love and miss her dearly. I'm gonna double hug her. I'm gonna <laughs> double hug her. You know what's a great thing though with COVID? I don't have to shake anybody's hands. It's gonna be like, do you want a hug? I want a hug. Okay, we're consenting to this hug. But other than that, it's gonna be, how you doing? Yeah, I, I, I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of partial to the elbow touch personally. Like, hey, how's it going? Instead yeah. of the handshake. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like I like the man nod. I like the man nod. That's a good one. Or what, the, or the. What I, what I enjoy is because of COVID is, well, I mean, I didn't enjoy this and I enjoy it now because it won't ever happen again, is here in Quebec, it's a thing where you, on both sides of the cheek and some people, like friends and family, cool, no problem. But like at shows, fans would want to do that. And I'm like, mm, don't touch me. No, 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 no. no. No, no offense, but I don't know you. Don't touch me. You know, like I'm cool with like, you know, a little arm on the shoulder or something, but don't, don't try to kiss my cheek. That's just awkward yeah. and unnecessary. And now that COVID's here and probably going to be a factor in our lives for the rest of our lives, that's never going to happen again. So that's one never good thing that came out of COVID. <laughs> never going to happen. No, 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 no. In Switzerland, it's three kisses. Oh, but yeah. You only, yeah, I don't give it to strangers though. Yeah, I give yeah. them a so. Yeah, I always found it so awkward when people I didn't know would do that to me, and I'm just like, okay. And like, I didn't do the kiss; I just kind of like offer on my cheek on both sides. Yeah, awkward. I guess it's a little I, too intimate for me. 
Yeah, me too. And I maybe that's because, you know, I'm from the US and I'm not used to that kind of intimacy with with people I don't know, I guess, so so to speak, but it just creeps me out a lot. But like I said, no problem with friends, family, people I actually know, but it's going to go on the wayside even with that, I think for the most part. So that's that's one of the good things. <laughs> Got to cling to the good things right now. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot. We got wrestling and no more kissing on the cheeks. It's good. All right, I can work with that. Yeah, I can work with that. Got to find the silver lining somewhere, right? That's for sure. All right, this has been Alice in Danger. Please tell them where they can watch your show again and all of your social media. All right, so if you go to Twitter, it's at Alice in Danger. Instagram is at the Alice in Danger. Remember, it's always two L's. And then if you go to the Alice in Danger channel on YouTube, subscribe, watch the videos. We got more coming. I got some really cool guests coming up ahead. So I'm really, really excited. And I just want to keep growing it and keep teaching. And if you have the ability, please support independent wrestling if you can. We got merch. We got pro wrestling tea stores. We got, which I just put new merchandise out for. And between now and October 31st, if you buy a shirt from me from Pro Wrestling Tees, $2 of every shirt is going to get donated to, it's called the Serving Our Kids Foundation here in Las Vegas. What it does is it feeds um, uh, children from food insecure families. So on a Friday, Thursday night, we pack up these bags of food for the weekend. Friday, they get delivered to schools. Right now, they're doing a di different kind of delivery system because Las Vegas schools are not in. They're doing the distance learning. And what happens is these bags would get slipped to the kids and their backpacks real discreet. And that way they have food going home because a lot of these kids in uh, lower income areas, food insecure homes would go from Friday afternoon till Monday morning with nothing. We can't, oh, these kids aren't gonna be able to learn properly and meet their full potential unless they've got full bellies. So that money's gonna go towards buying food, uh, the family and I, we're going to be volunteering and packing foods as we stay healthy to make sure that the kids of Las Vegas and Henderson can eat. I think so that please, please, please buy my shirts. It'll look cool on your chest. Keep it going so I can add a woman's herstory shirt. And yeah, and just know that every time you wear that shirt, just remind that you helped feed kids in the Las Vegas area. It's amazing the work that you have done, like humanitarian humanitarian wise like you always give back no matter what not just in ways like this where you're giving money to help but also to younger people in the wrestling business who have looked up to you or are coming up and maybe don't know as much but you're giving them as much knowledge as possible that's one of the greatest reasons why I call you the best wrestling mom that I have oh I love you I love you too always oh, always always <laughs> Well, thank you so much again for being on Talking Sass, and I hope maybe we'll have you on again in the future, and we'll have even a better talk. I, I don't yes, know what else we could talk about, because we covered a lot. We'll find it. We'll, oh, we you will. And, it's you and me, we'll find it. <laughs> Isn't that we'll the truth? We'll just do a whole episode on why we hate Brad Marchand. I'm in. <laughs> yes! Let's, let's schedule that right now. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, thank I love you, Steffi. I love you too, Alice in Danger. I want to thank you for sticking with us. I know that that was quite a long conversation with Alice in Danger, but hey, that's probably why we both have YouTube channels, right? So make sure you go over and subscribe to her channel. It is Woman's Herstory with Alice in Danger. I want to thank Mama Danger for coming on the show and for sharing all of her stories. 
If you haven't already, which I don't know why you haven't, make sure you go over to my Patreon and subscribe because there I have lots of cool exclusives, including some coming up with Alice in Danger. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sassy Steffi. And please leave me your feedback. I'm still new and I want to grow. So the best way to do that is from feedback from you who are listening. And to close out the show this week, I want to mention last week we lost a legend in the pro wrestling world and the world in general in Road Warrior Animal. I was fortunate enough to meet him a few times and he was such a cool dude. So to close out, I just want to say thank you for the memories and rest in power. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fist, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history. The voice of choice and killer can resonate. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out, WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro, talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.